everyone. Welcome back to another episode of But Why the Podcast. And today we are talking about a superhero who put on his cape and cow 80 years ago, Batman. As always, I'm Kate and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And uh, I'm going to let people sit for a little bit to think who is on this podcast episode as our guest. You can probably guess. You get a gold star if you do. But it's Lizzie Garcia. Hi. Hello. I wore my Batman sweater. She is, in fact, wearing her Batman sweater. For the uninitiated, maybe this is people's first time listening to us. Who mm-hmm. are you and why are you qualified to talk about Batman? Um, I am the editor and social media manager of ButWhyThoughPodcast.com, so kind of the website side. I'm probably qualified to talk about it, to talk about Batman, because I only talk about Batman. Um, <laughs> I've basically reviewed most of the Batman reviews on the site are from me. Um, most of our Batman content in general is from me. Uh, so yeah, he's he's kind of my favorite. And if you ever read a video game article by her, there is probably a Batman <laughs> on that list. I'm still angry you wouldn't let me put him on the couples one. <sighs> It's true though. Yes. So she is probably the most qualified person we know to talk about Batman, other than people who have written Batman or been Batman. So that's a long <laughs> list these days. It's a it's high a honor. Wow. I was going to say that's a high honor, and then Matt just took that from under me. So our first question. I'm going to be leading through the leading us through this adventure. Um, and our first question is, what's your favorite Batman? Which. I know before we started this, Matt was like, that's a very broad question, but let me add some some uh, confinement to it. What is your favorite Batman in television, movies, or comics? Your very favoritist Batman. Like, well, I guess if we're doing comics, you have to kind of go by comic runs. At least for me, that's how I would see it. Um, I feel it's so hard. Um, I always say I love Batman Hush because that was the first Batman story I read. Um, And I think it has a lot of like elements to a really good classic Batman story. Um, So that would probably be my comic one Um, in regards to, should I do each? Oh, I I expected you to do each. Okay, everybody else can Um, do one. I expected you to have one for each and some runaround. I do, I do. I just didn't want to like. My favorite TV iteration is Batman the Animated Series, um, without like hands down, without a doubt. Um, And then favorite movie is Dark Knight. I still like that's still my favorite comic book movie, and I feel like people put me into that like group of people who just can't get over that movie and should probably live their lives and they're not wrong but yeah and then i guess video game is easy because it's just arkham (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing else adrian batman beyond can i count that does that count yeah that counts yeah that counts okay yeah then yeah batman beyond terry's like i mean that was like i think i watched that one more heavily than i watched batman the animated series so that might be why and like child nostalgia i guess but i don't know i just i just like terry a whole lot and he deserves his own movie in real life um 
Do you have a favorite Batman movie? I, I never really thought about what my favorite Batman movie is. I, I guess The Dark Knight, but I'm also in the camp of like it hasn't aged super well. Like I can't go back and rewatch it because it's just too long and like it's just too long. It's I just too you were long. Say, uh, and... Martha. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, see y'all next week. I'm out of here. <laughs> Bye. I mean, give me give me Batflex like warehouse scene over like most of the action sequences in the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, Nolan, but. Yeah, no, don't don't bring that up again, Kate. Or I'm gonna leave because <laughs> <laughs> it makes me viscerally angry, and now I'm sick to my stomach thinking about how much was wasted. <laughs> I'll go next. Uh, my favorite Batman is pretty much any Batman that Kevin Conroy has voiced. He is Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is Bruce. Like I, and I mean, I totally am cool with other voice actors as batman but uh kevin conroy is is really just he he's pinnacle for me so like my favorite batman movie um and i think the best batman movie is mask of the phantasm um that's favorite movie oh, i didn't think we can go animated movies oh man it's a movie that one is a movie yeah it's a solid movie um and and i i will die on the hill that that is the best batman movie ever made um but my my favorite uh, live action Batman is actually Might and Ke- uh, Michael Keaton Batman 89 because that is a beautiful movie that actually holds up um, and outside of Eartha Kit, Michelle Pfeiffer is like the best Catwoman ever um, whoa 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 Halle Berry would like to speak with you <laughs> no she wouldn't she knows <laughs> Halle Berry knows what she did <laughs> Um, yeah, and my favorite cartoon, uh, just get real specific, uh, my favorite part, like, my favorite television Batman is actually, um, the Batman at the very end of Justice League Unlimited when he helps Ace die. That's oh, man. my favorite Batman. Why, why do you do this, got- Kate? Because it, it's one of the most touching moments. I like how we were supposed to just pick like a favorite iteration in case over here like I'm going to do break down an exact scene like okay do we not even well, that's to go favorite around iteration. here? I think, I think that that specific Batman in that specific moment is probably one of the like one of my favorite renditions of the character because he's cold and calculating the entire time up until that point and I don't think any other hero would have let her die on her own terms. And would have been with her while she died. Like everybody else would have tried to physically save her, whereas Batman understood. So Batman's a good dad. Send tweet. <laughs> Is he though? No. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna pick episode twenty-five, season seven. My favorite iteration. I am sorry. Out of the 22 minute show. Um, So, obviously, probably if we're going to go with this, obviously the animated series would probably be my favorite one. Obviously, I will say for at least the first two to three seasons of the weird random 2004 The Batman is actually pretty good. Yes, Um, it's very awkward, and then the show gets terrible, like the last season or so. Um, but it's actually, I will give it a, a runner up there just because I don't think a lot of people realize that that exists. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go different in the movie-wise because I still like Batman Begins. And I think it actually holds up way better than The Dark Knight. I get yeah, you're right. I think we had this conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a very like... vastly underrated movie. I think people enjoy it, but people obviously forget about it and just talk about The Dark Knight, <clears throat> like Lizzie said. But I think it holds up actually better than The Dark Knight does. I didn't come here to be attacked. <laughs> We've been on this podcast before. You know how it goes. So, but no. so we got no love for the, the late, great Adam West, Batman? So, the OG? I, it's not that I don't have love for him. That's that's not how I would describe it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I th- and we'll get into it as we talk about Batman, is there are so many different types of character that he has played through the years, both psychologically and you know just how he's been written. Personally, I just prefer the darker pieces of Batman because um, those are more relatable. So, yeah, you I like mean, bat nipples. I do like bat cards. nipples. <laughs> I do, but they're not my favorite. But I, I will you're right. You're right. I'm just giving you all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know your favorite's uh, apparently a character that doesn't even play in the movie. That's your favorite. <laughs> yeah, I I broke it down. I'm sorry that I came prepared. You literally talked about Catwoman, but said Batman '89 is your favorite movie. <laughs> Yeah, because my Batman eighty nine is is my favorite Batman movie. Most Catwoman's in the Lifer. second one, isn't she? No, she's in the first one. She's in Batman. She's in the first one, isn't she? In the first one, I don't think she is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's not. <laughs> she doesn't get there until Batman Forever. Ah. No, no, she gets there in the second one. I thought with the Penguin. Well, put it as Batman Returns. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You know how I always talk about don't talk about stuff that you're not a subject matter expert in? Yeah, this is one of those moments. Uh, But okay, so moving into this, Batman has been around for 80 years. This is your disclaimer. Uh, We're not going to get into all of the Bat. We can't actually do that in one episode. I deleted about four pages of show notes because it was just too much. Uh, So we're going to focus on some of the more popular iterations of Batman, and we're only going to talk about Bruce Wayne. I'm sorry, Adrian. I love Terry, too. Um, it's all right. We'll, we'll get it in the part two, Kate. We'll, yes. we'll get it. <laughs> so we're only talking Bruce Wayne, Batman, and we're not going to focus on any of the Robins or Yay. any of the other pieces uh, pieces of the Bat family. The worst part of Batman. Lizzie's <laughs> face right now. She's so hurt. <laughs> she is so hurt. You just attacked her children. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my babies. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Don't walk into your house and talk shit about your children, Matt. Don't have any. Like the good I'm nice Don't to your any. dog, Matt. <laughs> yeah, the dog's barely self-sustaining. All this is to say, this is a Bruce Wayne Batman episode, so please do not add us for not talking about the Robins, the rest of the Bat family, or anything else that I did not say that we were going to cover today. You can at me because the Bat family is terrible and trash. <laughs> Oof. I'm going to at you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, rock and roll. Yes. Uh, so, history. So, Batman comes around in early 1939 uh, after the success of Superman in Action Comics prompted editors at National Comics Publications, which would then become DC Comics, to request more superheroes for its titles. In response, Bob Kane created The Batman. The bat 
hyphen man is how that was spelled. After making uh, creating Batman, uh, Bill Finger gave assistance in guiding the character design. Uh, Finger suggested giving the character a cowl instead of a simple domino mask, a cape instead of wings, and gloves. He also recommended re uh, removing the red sections from the original costume. Uh, so essentially, Bob Kane came to them and was like, hey, here's my cool new hero, the Batman. And Bill Finger was like, this looks terrible. We're going to make this into something that we can actually sell. And that's how he got uh, Batman. Uh, Finger said he devised the name Bruce Wayne for the character's secret identity. Um, to quote him, Bruce Wayne's first name came from Robert Bruce, the Scottish patriot. Wayne, being a playboy, was a man of gentry. I searched for a name that would suggest colonialism. I tried Adams, Hancock. Then I thought about Mad Anthony Wayne. He later said his suggestions were influenced by Lee Falk's popular The Phantom, a syndicated newspaper comic strip character with which Kane was also familiar. And if you don't know who The Phantom is, go uh, Google Billy Zane, The Phantom, and it'll come up. Possibly the can we talk? Movie. Can we talk? I've never seen this original design. This is bad. Oh, it's <laughs> so bad. It is so bad. Do you want to give the play-by-play, -play, Adrian? He, he, like, literally, he has wings, and he's in a red suit. All they kept was the belt. And, like, <laughs> that's it. Like, what is what is this? So, is that, like, the first drawing of the Falcon? The, I think this might be worse. It's worse. If I'm, way worse. If I'm being honest. <laughs> um, the true hero of Batman's story is Bill Finger for not publishing whatever the hell Bob Kane turned in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Kane and Finger drew upon contemporary 1930s pop culture for inspiration regarding much of the Batman's look, personality, methods, and weaponry together. As an aristocratic hero with a double identity, Batman had predecessors in the Scarlet Pimpernel, created by Baroness Amushka Orsky in 1903, Zorro, created by Johnston McCulley in 1919, and like them, Batman performed his heroic, deed, his heroic deeds in secret averted suspicion by playing aloof in public and marked his work with a signature symbol. Kane noted the influence of the films The Mask of Zorro from 1920 and The Bat Whispers in 1930 in the creation of the character's iconography. Finger, drawing inspiration from pulp heroes like Doc Savage, The Shadow, Dick Tracy, and Sherlock Holmes, made the character a master sleuth. Uh, so these are kind of all the things we love about Batman and defines a character, and it's actually really grounded in this pulpy comic book history. Um, anything to add? Any questions? I was going to uh, ask, what's a sleuth? But I didn't want this to turn in one of those situations where people think do. I don't know what sleuth means. But <laughs> it just seemed like I don't know if everyone knows what a sleuth is who's listening. A detective. Yeah, see, there we go. Yes. That's why he's the world's greatest detective slash sleuth. Yeah, I think like, sleuth rolls out the time a lot, a lot easier. I like that. <laughs> um, we wouldn't be talking about a comic book character from the Golden Age if we didn't talk about somebody totally and royally getting screwed over in their creation. Uh, so, like we've mentioned with other comics, creative rights sucked in the Golden Age. Uh, Kane 
eventually ended up signing away ownership of his character in exchange for, among other compensations, a mandatory byline on all Batman comics. This uh, this byline did not originally say Batman created Bob Kane, uh, created by Bob King. His name was simply written on the title page of each story. This meant even if he did not do anything with the character, his name was on them. Uh, it's a pretty baller move. <laughs> Uh, the name disappeared from comic books in the mid-1960s and was replaced by credits for each story's actual writer and artist. Um, and then in the late 1970s, when Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster began receiving a created by credit on the Superman titles, along with William Moulton Marston, who created Wonder Woman, Batman stories began saying created by Bob Kane, in addition to the other credits that accompanied them. Guess who didn't? Bill Finger. Finger did not receive the same recognition. While he had received credit for other DC works since the 1940s, he began in the 1960s to receive limited uh, limited acknowledgement for his Batman writing in the letters page of Batman number 169. For example, editor Julia Schwartz names him as creator of The Riddler, one of Batman's recurring villains. However, Finger's contract left him only with his writing page right, uh, his writing page rate and no byline. At the time of Finger's death in 1974, DC had still not officially credited Finger as a Batman co-creator. So the first time you actually see Finger receiving credit is in is in 2015. So in 2015, DC revealed that Finger would receive credit for the first time in 2016's Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and the second season of Gotham after a deal was worked out between Finger's family and DC. Finger received credit as a creator of Batman for the first time in a comic book in October 20, uh, 2015 with Batman and Robin Eternal number three and Batman Arkham Knight Genesis number three. The updated acknowledgement for the character appeared as Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Do you know why so they, well, I was going to say, do you, are we going into kind of why they oh, we can gave it back? It. We can. Um, there's a really great documentary about it, which I highly recommend called Batman and Bill on Hulu. Um, but basically this, uh, journalist had kind of heard from multiple, uh, comic fans who had been fans for years, older comic fans, that they had met the writer and creator of Batman and it wasn't Bob Kane. So he spent years researching it and he finally found Bill Finger's granddaughter and because he found a family member, they were able to go to DC and say, hey, you kind of owe our family money. Um, so that's why it's on there. It's not because DC actually revealed it. It's because somebody made them, like legally speaking. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sucks so much. Your reveal comes out or whatever on Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> It is He was also on Batman Eternal number three, which is not a bad comic run. And Arkham Knight Genesis is also not a terrible comic run. So what he's got that going Batman for Batman versus Superman. It is hot trash. I hate it. Throw it away. <laughs> to the depths <laughs> of the sun. Get Wait, that shit out of here. You got the second season of Gotham, like anybody remembers that. Gotham is actually a really good TV show. It's just no, not it's a not. Batman, Batman show. show. Huh? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say it's just not really a Batman. Just a police though. drama yeah. that they suck people in like you because they threw some Batman. Because they did there. really good with the Penguin and the Riddler. Cool. Everybody likes Law and Order. We know this already. Everybody <laughs> likes. So you're saying that Gotham was was just Law and Order, but make it Batman? Yeah. That is the best sales pitch I've heard for Gotham. I mean, what do we we have? What like people love what Brooklyn Nine Nine? Even as a comedy, we have. You know how many police dramas there are? There's like 25 Law and Orders. What's the other one? Blues or something like that? <laughs> Boy, blues or cop thing that retired. That was on for like 10 years in the early... Blue Bloods? No. What the hell is that much? I think that is also another cop drama. <laughs> <laughs> There's like the Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago... All the other things. That's some thunder. Oh, that's loud thunder. <laughs> Sorry uh, if you heard that. <laughs> So all of this like makes me think back to our Ditko episode. We're like, oh yeah, Stanley pretty much pushed Steve Ditko out of a comic, but at least Steve Ditko has always been credited for creating Spider-Man with him. Yeah, it like it's NYPD Blue. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Not relevant. Um, On from nineteen ninety three to two thousand and five. This is not an NYPD Blue episode. Well, we could do one because that show is actually highly rated and highly won a lot of awards. Um, what I was gonna say was in regards also to just Bob Kane as a human being. He's not great. Like later in his life, he would sell art that he did not do, but he would sign it and sell it as if he did. And he ended up getting in like trouble for that. Oh, shit. Like Bob Kane does a lot of terrible things later on. Yeah, it's the 70s. <laughs> what does. I feel like anytime like, somebody does something bad, Matt's just like, it was the insert decade that isn't the 90s or 2000s here and say cocaine. I mean, that's pretty much what I was in. I was going to say acid instead of cocaine, but I mean, we're I probably pretty close. Bob Kane did that. In but... the 70s, in the 60s. <laughs> Case in point. There it is. <laughs> Just throw out a decade. It was the twenties. It was clearly cocaine. <laughs> that was marijuana. True. Uh yeah, so now that that was very depressing, um <laughs> we're gonna talk about Bruce Wayne, who is equally depressing. It's kind of his shtick. Uh, so Batman's secret identity is Bruce Wayne and a wealthy American industrialist who, as a child, witnessed the murder of his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Sorry for saying the name, Adrian. His parents died? <laughs> you didn't know that? Bat- Batman's Heroes parents <laughs> died? Heroes' parents have never Batman's. died. Batman's I didn't even know that. Batman's I mean, I Uncle Ben also died. I think I need to see it six more times before I before I get why he's so why he's so angry. <laughs> um, so this ultimately leads him to creating the Batman persona and seek justice against criminals. Wayne averts suspicion by acting as part uh, acting the part of a superficial playboy, idly living off his family's fortune and the profits of Wayne Enterprises, his inherited conglomerate. He supports philanthropic causes through his nonprofit, the Wayne Foundation, but is more widely known as a uh, he's more widely known as a celebrity socialite. 
in public. He frequently appears with the company in a high status, uh, uh, in the company of high status women, which encourages tabloid gossip. Although Bruce Wayne leads an active romantic life, his vigilante activities as Batman account for most of his time. Um, I'm going to take that as that just means Batman sleeps around a lot and they couldn't put <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a documentary called Batman Unmasked and it went all into the psychology of the character and um, behavioral scientist Benjamin Carney uh, notes that Batman's personality is driven by Bruce Wayne's inherent humanity that Batman, for all its benefits and all of the time Bruce Wayne devotes to it, is ultimately a tool for Bruce Wayne's uh, Bruce Wayne's efforts to make the world better. Bruce Wayne's principles include the desire to prevent future harm and a vow not to kill. But that's kind of loose. Loopholes. There are loopholes. You let them die. You don't kill if, them, right? If someone falls off a roof, that's gravity. That's not on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't have to save you. In the Arkham games, if you push somebody's head into an electrical box, that was electricity. That's not on you. <laughs> All they do is they duck and they cover in the fetal position. They just go, oh, and then they're done. It's either still alive. Yeah. As long as they make a noise, it's fine. Yeah. Yes, long, which it doesn't matter if they're maimed for life. You didn't kill them. That was the thing that uh, we got to see. We got to go to Kevin Conroy's Batman panel at Wizard World a while ago, and Kevin Conroy went on for like ten minutes about how Batman the animated series could have been dar darker, but the rule was just to make a noise. So everybody lived, and everybody was fine, even when they fell out of a helicopter into water. That's gravity. That's <laughs> not on Batman. A water is like blankets. <laughs> That's no, no, it's not. How it works, Kate? It's a, it's a wet blanket. <laughs> like jumping on a waterbed. Oh dear! Never take any advice from this podcast, please and thank you. Um, you can do it for science, though. I will record the data. Oh my god. If you still have a waterbed in 2019, I think we need to talk anyway. <laughs> so Bruce Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne, <laughs> thinking about Batman Damned. Um... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, Bruce Wayne believes that our actions define us. We fail for a reason and anything is possible. Batman's primary character traits can be summarized as a wealth physical prow prowess, deductive abilities, and pretty much obsession. <laughs> obsession and money are his superpowers. Um, the details and tone of the ba of Batman comic books have varied over the years due to different creative teams, um, and this also does impact Bruce Wayne as a character as well, although not as much. Uh, ultimately, the driving force behind Bruce Wayne's character is always his parents' murder and their absence. Which makes me mad because Alfred gets no love. And it bugs me. That man is his father. Um, another one of Batman's characterizations is that he is a vigilante. In order to stop evil that has started with the death of his parents, he must sometimes break the law himself, but never kill anybody. Although manifested differently by uh, by being retold through different artists, it's nevertheless that the details and the prime components of Batman's origin have never varied at all in the comic books. The reiteration of the basic origin events holds together otherwise divergent expressions. The origin is the source of the character's traits and attribute, attributes, which play out in many of the character's adventures. 
And Batman also speaks over 40 different languages, which I don't know why that was important for the Wikipedia page, but the Wikipedia page listed that Batman speaks over 40 languages. It's important. <laughs> Can verify. Um, so before we head into the but why those, take a quick listen to this. So now that we're going to go into the but why those, the very first one has to be that Batman is an everything. And when I say everything, I do absolutely mean everything. Um, and uh, if you are one of our Patreon patrons, you will actually get to see my pretty graphs that I have in our show notes that show us that. They're not that pretty because you cut off the top, so you can't even see what we're looking at. <laughs> Matt! <laughs> I took an entire class on how to make graphs. I know this. I didn't cut off the top. That was just the title of the section. The title okay. of the graph is right there. Okay. Anyway, um, so finder.com. Yeah, where's your deductive reasoning skills, <laughs> Matt? Uh, so uh, finder.com did a uh, did a study. And I was using study loosely. They just collected a whole bunch of data and put them into really, really pretty tableau tables. Um, and Batman is the top superhero by number of movie appearances. Batman has appeared in 12 movies, which is more than any other superhero. The second of which is Superman, and the third is Wolverine, with Spider-Man coming in next, uh, with Spider-Man and Iron Man tied with Wolverine. Um but uh, to for perspective, Batman has been in twelve. The next closest is Superman with eight. Are these just live action? Uh, yes. Okay. I believe. Yeah. I was like, "There's no way." <laughs> yeah, this is just live action. I think if you end up putting in the other ones, it gets real weird. But that would be a great thing for Matt to do with his tableau skills. Um. So the next piece is top superheroes by number of TV appearances. Batman is again at the top with, I believe it's 27. He has been in 27, he has made 27 TV appearances. And the next closest is Superman, Robin, not shockingly, and then the Hulk. The Hulk? That's kind of surprising. Luke it's really Rango. not. Oh, that's why. You're right. Never mind. Yeah, and for some reason, people really like the Hulk for a long time. I don't, I don't understand. know why. I, don't I still haven't figured it out, but apparently he was popular a long time ago. Hulk smash. We don't even get that anymore. Lou Ferrigno, he was like a world star in bodybuilding. So well, I know, but even like, then, we we still get a bunch of like random animated like movies and TV shows with the Hulk. Because oh, everyone, everyone, we want to see everybody fight the Hulk. Hulk, Hulk v whatever. So that's actually be Batman. <gasps> yeah that happens doesn't it yeah. has batman ever fought the hulk i don't think batman fought captain america i don't know captain america one we don't talk about it i thought he fought the hulk one time or is it something like that only because i remember he has. Somebody, batman because, has fought the hulk because i remember because somebody goes batman punches the hulk and the hulk like goes oh and like falls over and people kept going how does that happen? Yeah, so in because September, he's Batman. What do you mean? Well, we know that. Happen? I'm talking about for all the other people. So in September of 1981, in DC Special Series Volume One, Number 27, Batman did indeed fight the Hulk. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm so surprised. Are you? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> 
And it ends with Bruce Banner losing all hope once again of curing himself from his living nightmare. <laughs> that is that's what the synopsis said. That's what I love this. Batman has killed all hope in the hope. <laughs> that, that tracks. Bane might have broken the bat's back, but Batman breaks people's spirits. Yeah. Accurate. And women's hearts. <laughs> um, also, as of 2018, based on these appearances, this is what people have used to make Batman the most popular superhero. I don't know how much that really plays, but we'll get into why Batman also holds other things. So what do you mean by most popular superhero? So just based on appearances? Is it based on money? It's based on appearances. It's not okay. based on money. Um, we know that has, that has, yes, that has to do with licensing, and that is further down in the note. Um, but yeah, so Batman is the most popular superhero based on appearances everywhere. Uh, again, if you're a Patreon, Patreon, Patreon patron, I have all of these notes to my sources, like a good academic, in our show notes. Uh, you can check my stuff. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about some of the things that Batman has been in because he's been in everything. Uh, the bat, the fir it first starts with the Batman television series starting starring Adam West, which premiered in January of 1966, uh, and it was inflected with a camp sense of humor. And the show became ultimately became a, a pop culture phenomenon, running for 120 episodes. Uh, fun fact. The Who actually recorded a theme song for the Batman show in their 1966 EP, Ready, Steady, Who. And the Kinks even performed the theme song on their own 1967 album, Live at Kelvin Hall. Um, that may mean nothing to anybody, but my dad listened to that music growing up. The Who and the Kinks are very, very big British bands. Ultimately, the popularity of, Batman, of the Batman TV series also resulted in the first animated adaptation of Batman that we see in uh, the Batman Superman Hour. And the Batman segments of the series were repackaged to make its own solo series, The Adventures of Batman and uh, Batman with Robin, The Boy Wonder. These ran for 33 episodes between 1968 and 1977. How long were these episodes? You got 33 episodes in a nine-year period. I have no idea. From 1973 to 1986, you have Super Friends, which was the Hanna-Barbera uh, Hanna cartoon. And I watched the hell out of it. I loved it, and it has some of the best Aquaman stuff. Um, but that was his next appearance. And then we come around to 1992, which is with what almost everybody said was their favorite Batman. Well, half, half of us said was our favorite Batman, Batman, the animated series. This series received considerable acclaim for its darker tone, mature writing, stylistic design, and thematic complexity compared to previous superhero cartoons, in addition to winning multiple Emmy, Emmy awards during its run on TV. Um, this also has some of the most iconic like drawing styles for Batman, and it's one that uh, it's one that has been has followed uh, suit in a lot of the Batman TV shows. Um, kind of set set the set the bar. Uh, the series success, and I had to bring this up. This the success of the series led to a the theatrical film. Batman Mask of the Phantasm in 1993, as well as a whole bunch of other superhero spinoff shows, such as Batman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, which sucked when you watched the Bat Batman the Animated Series on Amazon oh. Prime. They actually put the new Batman Adventures as the last season of Batman the Animated Series, and it's awful. 
it comes off so bad. That's yes. they, false. Yeah, they count them like as season, what, is it five and six or four and five or something like that? I think it's five and six. But yeah, it comes off like so bad because you're just watching. Bad. It just ends and then all of a sudden they start the next season. You're like, yeah. And then you're like, who are these people? Yeah. What happened? And that Harvey and Ivy or Harley and Ivy are terrible in this and that one. So it sucks. It's hard. Um, it's real bad. Um, of all of these, can somebody take a guess of, of who voiced them, of who voiced the bat in all of these iterations? The best person. Kevin Conroy. I was right. <laughs> uh, which I have my Batman pop that is signed by him and I love it and if you love Kevin Conroy uh, one of our contributors for the website is actually at SDCC right now and he got to interview Kevin Conroy I'm not the least bit jealous at all I promise we love you CJ <laughs> um, the futuristic series Batman Beyond also took place uh, within the same animated continuity that you have here. And it featured a younger Batman voiced by Will Friedle with the elderly Bruce, Rain Bruce Wayne, who was still voiced by Conroy. Um, and it's actually crazy when you think about it, because uh, if you think about how Batman sounds in the various iterations of of the character within just this continuity, uh, Conroy has incredible range. Because uh, old crotchety Batman has like does not sound the same as younger Batman. He has a little roughness to him. He's seen yeah. some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So after that, you end up having other series, and you have new Batman actors and or new Batman voice actors introduced. You have the Batman in two thousand four, which Matt referenced at the start of the show. You have First Batman three the seasons are good, or four seasons, and then the last season or so, you're like, this is awful, and you can tell it's getting canceled. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and uh, Batman was voiced by Rena Romano. Batman, The Brave and the Bull. Bull. Also a good show, but the last season, once again, suffers very badly, <laughs> and you can tell they were ending it. That's accurate. <laughs> that came out in 2008, and Diedrich, wait, uh, Diedrich Bader voiced Batman in that one. Beware the Batman, which I had never heard of, but... It has really terrible animation. Okay, that's why I've never heard of it, and I'm actually... Like, this might be the there only was one only that... one season. Yeah, I was like, this might be the only one that I can't recall. That's what I'm here for. Oh, that is ugly! Send it, Kate. I want to see if I actually watch this one or not. It's horrible. It was him and Katana, oddly enough, running around, like, stopping crime, looking like a hot mess. Ooh, okay, so I've seen one episode of this, I believe, and I was like, this is awful, and that's it. So I remember the design, and that's about it. Yeah, no. Nope. It got one season. Yeah. It was on what? around the same time as Young Justice was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. This is awful. It was like somebody wanted to play with Tim Burton's toys, but didn't know how to use them. <laughs> um so that happened with anthony uh Ruvivar voicing batman and then you have gotham which we've already established isn't really a batman show even though it does feature a 12 year old bruce wayne who is played by uh david mazuzas 
uh, probably not pronouncing that right. I apologize. Not trying to mispronounce it on purpose. Uh, that started in 2014. And then you have Titans, which in season two will feature Ian Glenn as Bruce Wayne. I believe the finale. I don't know if it. It has a stunt actor. Okay. I was like, Batman is in the finale. But I also. But you have to make it to the finale first. All right. I don't need to be called out right now. (laughs) I don't think you're the only person that didn't make it to that finale. I know a lot of people that didn't make it to that finale. (laughs) So bad. Um, And if you don't know who Ian Glenn is, he is Sir Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones. And he's going to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, Also. To commemorate the 75th anniversary of the character, Warner Brothers aired the television short film Batman Strange Days, and that is on DC's YouTube channel that you can watch. I haven't. Uh, I kind of only really go back and watch the Bruce Tim animated adventures Justice League Batmans. The next piece we're going to go into are all the damn films that he's been in. That apparently Kate does not know, so we do need to go into some of the villains. <laughs> yes, we do. We really do. Uh, so 1989's Batman has Michael Keaton as Bruce slash Batman. And in 1989, Warner Brothers released the live-action feature film, and this was directed by Tim Burton. And ultimately, the film was a huge subscri- success, not only top-grossing film of the year, but at the time, it was the fifth-highest-grossing film in history. Um, I don't know where it stands now. I probably should have box, box office mojo that. You don't need to worry about it. All the top that we Jurassic Park was the last one that was standing in top twenty five. That was like before the nineties or before like two thousand something, before two thousand and nine, except Titanic. And once you basically it's been pushed out already. Um, it's it's a long ways down now. Well, the cool thing is inflation's a thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, the cool thing is, is that Batman also has the most Oscars out of any superheroes. Yeah. Uh, this film won the Academy Academy Award for Best Art Direction. And then you move on to Batman Returns in 1992, which is this really is the, the movie that I meant. Yes. <laughs> and then you have Batman Forever, 1995. And then we have the amazing addition to comic book movie, to the comic book movie Pantheon, directed by Joel Schumacher instead of Tim Burton. And oh my God, Adrian left. I really hope he wasn't doing that on purpose. Um, and, re- <laughs> and replacing Val Kilmer with George Clooney, uh, you have Batman and Robin. In if, I ever, if I ever open a bar, I'm going to have a drink called the Slippery Bat Nipple. <sighs> like the shot, the Slippery Nipple, that, but it's that, that, Bat that, Nipple. That movie is terrible. The movie it's is so good. I think Batman Forever is a little underrated. I like yeah, Batman Forever That's really underrated. Yeah, I was like, Batman Forever to me is not that bad of a movie. Yeah. Um, oh, and that one had Val Kilmer as Batman. Yes. Um... But no, between, because uh, also had Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones, and that one's not too bad, but Batman and Robin was just too much over the top. In so I think that Batman and Robin, like, so Batman Forever has a lot of camp in it. It does. A and lot. then they went even more with Batman and Robin. That's what I was going to say, quick. and that's yeah. why people don't like it, because Batman and Robin is a camp extravaganza. Um, but I will say this, um, 
I still think that Batman Forever's Poison Ivy is one of the best visually looking Poison Ivies I have ever seen. Screw you, Arkham Knight Games. I want Uma You don't like her in her underwear with just some leaves? You didn't like that? I did. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't not like that. I just, I think Uma Thurman, like, uh, Dark Lady uh, buns, Poison Ivy is better. I actually, I don't really like Arkham's Poison Ivy, and I do love Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy. It's so good! Can you, like... I just want Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy again, but in a movie that critics will like. <laughs> but no, um, like I said, Batman Forever does definitely a lot more camp than the other ones, and then I think it was not bad, and screw we wouldn't rate it, but yeah, they definitely go way, way over the top for Batman and Robin, which I think is just so bad, and then I just really hate what they did with Mr. Freeze, especially if you watched a lot of the animated series. Yeah, that is fair. That is fair. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze is probably not the best idea. And the fact that Mr. Freeze is probably the most tragic Batman villain. Yeah. But Clayface is the best. Just saying. So Clayface and Arthur is pretty cool to watch. Clayface is cool to watch all the time. Like, I want to know. He is not cool to watch in the Batman 2004. None of those villains are good to watch. It, because they yeah, all they have, have very Joker. weird designs. They have yeah. very like Joker. Joker has oh, Joker blocks. I know it's so bad. Okay, and like webbed feet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I am very thankful for Batman and Robin for giving me Poison Ivy because that she's good. She's real good. You're uh, canceled, Adrian. Do you have feelings on Batman and Robin? I have no strong feelings. Either way, I'm I'm not in either of the camps. Like, it's it's fine, but it's also Batman and Robin. <laughs> but I can understand I I can understand the love when it comes from a place of love. But if people want to make fun of it, I'm also down to make fun of it too. Um. So, fun fact: all of that is one continuity and the exact same version of Bruce Wayne, even though there are three different actors. It was a very common thing. That sounds about like comics. <laughs> um, next, you have the reboot of the Batman series with 2005's Batman Begins, directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Kristen Bale as Batman. This is where you get deep, gritty Batman voice. Um, and I then, can do it. Can you? Yeah. Say you're Batman. It it like hurts my thyroid every time, but ever since I got thyroid disease, I can do it really well. Swear to me. <laughs> wow. That was actually really good. Wow. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> the best part about being chronically ill is now I can do a Batman voice. That's a really good Batman voice. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, okay, so next, uh, you have The Dark Knight in uh, 2008. Uh, and this film set the record for highest grossing opening weekend of all time in the U.S., earning approximately $158 million. That's since been crushed. Um, and became the fastest film to reach the $400 million mark in the history of American cinema with, an eight, with 18 days of release. Awesome, crushed. That's been crushed. Thank you, Marvel. 
Um, the record-breaking attendances uh, saw The Dark Knight end its run as the second highest domestic grossing film of all time with $533 million, bested only by Titanic. By Titanic? That's Titanic. just kind of mean, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it. By Titanic. I need to enunciate. Uh, and the film wins two Academy Awards, but the biggest one here is this is the only comic book movie to win a actual uh, award outside of the genre awards. So we've talked about it in other uh, in other episodes before, but the genre awards are like sound design, uh, script adaptation, costume design. Uh, it's all of this stuff that you don't really give for actors because people don't believe genre movies are movies or are films and deserve it. Um, that was different with The Dark Knight. And Heath Ledger ended up winning the award posthumously for his portrayal of the Joker, which I think when a lot of people think about the Joker now as, as much, I, I think that there are two that come to mind. One, the amazing Mark Hamill iteration, but also Heath Ledger's are probably the two that everybody thinks about and all of us just want to burn Leto to the ground. Um. So the sad part about this is I really like Heath Ledger and stuff and everything, but I still wonder if he still would have won this award if he didn't die. I actually think that all the time. Yeah, I think it a lot. Especially the way people like talk about it and they're crazy about it. I'm like, I get it. It's really good. I'm not saying I'd have to go back and look at the year, but I really feel he won this because he died. But I, I also, I mean, take this with a very big grain of salt. When I rewatch, like, the, my favorite part of The Dark Knight is obviously Heath Ledger. Like, his Joker makes me laugh. Like, I think he's so funny. He's a very funny Joker. He does a lot of uncomfortable things that is just, like, unsettling. And I think that's what's really good in a Joker story. I don't like Joker stories that are violent for the sake of being violent. I like it to kind of have this idea that Joker's always a step ahead and it is a psychological game. And I think Heath did that really well. Yes, uh, I totally agree. And I think he is great and stuff. It just, like I said, I wish he'd have been alive so I could answer that question. I will also say that Heath Ledger's Joker influenced the comics far more than I would say Jack Nicholson's Joker did. Like, the comics we have after Heath Ledger's Joker all very much have elements of his Joker, um, particularly when you're talking about Death of the Family, which is a Scott Snyder story. That's a very heavily influenced by Heath Ledger's Joker story. This is why we brought you on. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment, I told you. <laughs> Um, and then after that in 2012, you have The Dark Knight Rises, which in my opinion is one of the worst closings to a great trilogy. I don't hate that movie, actually, but I don't like, I don't think that's Bane. Yeah, I don't like topic. it, but I don't hate it. There's so, too many issues with it that bug me. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I don't hate it. But for a trilogy that had a lot of freaking steam and like yeah. like new and different things, it's just like boom. It, it yeah, it hurts the overall picture. I will say that. I agree with that. That third act is butt cheeks. <laughs> I mean, you're not. It's so butt. It's so butt cheeks, no, man. No. It just ru I remember seeing it in the theaters, and it just that whole third, like the whole third act. I was just rolling my eyes. It was just so. 
you should you should use your name Robin. Oh my God, it it's just so bad. It is so bad. It's I actually so bad. despise they shoved Easter eggs all up the in reveal, there. The reveal is bad. Oh man, it it was good until it was bad. I mean, I was up to it until the time jump, and then I was like, "This is terrible." The Robin thing at the end made me want to punch something. Yeah, it's it's like I was like, "Bitch, you ain't Robin. Sit down." Yeah, it, it's it's Martha levels bad of like line delivery. Like, why why was that that like that made it through testing and people were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," but put that in there. Let, let's do it. That, that's pretty good. I like it. Uh, so after that, uh, Batman sees his return to the screen in. In 2008, Batman also starred in a whole bunch of direct-to-video animated animated films under the DC Universe Animated Original Movies banner, uh, with Kevin Conroy reprising his role of Batman in a lot of these, but not all of them. Um, Bruce Greenwood is usually their other Batman. Yeah. And it's he like if you have never been a fan of like watching animated stuff i i feel like you should still go watch the animated movies with batman in them they're really good dc takes like adult animation and just animation in general to a whole nother level there's a lot of love in those movies and they're and they're usually pretty panel for panel to comic runs that they're based on particularly i mean the one that always comes to my head is uh batman under the red hood there are moments of that movie that that are just like that comic run and that's probably my favorite batman animated movie even though it's not kevin conroy it is bruce greenwood but i just jason todd is it's my child jensen ackles he's a jensen ackles is so good he needs to be red hood already yes (laughs) old Um, gritty red hood and like the style of logan please that would be really good uh after that we also have another animated adventure in the lego batman movie in 2017 which has will arnett stepping into the role i really like it i I love love lego Lego batman Batman. yeah i do too i still prefer troy baker as my lego batman though troy Uh, baker is a very good batman but that's but oddly enough troy baker has also been joker oh yeah also true that's true troy baker's out here just like all the batman characters he's gonna take harley quinn next (laughs) <laughs> well the funny thing is is when we were at wizard world uh kept people uh asked kevin conroy what he thought about ben affleck's joker or sorry ben affleck's batman and all he said was there are there's only one batman and it's me and people were like oh yeah that's a joke and he's like no i really mean it it's me and sometimes troy baker yes <laughs> yes he's not he wrong did, he did acknowledge christian bale a little bit Oh, yeah, he did an on Christian Bale. But it was, like, that after was the it. fault. But after that was the... it. It was him, Troy Baker, and Christian Bale. That was it. No one else. Cared. Nobody else. Nope. No one else mattered. Um, then we have Adrian's favorite iteration of Batman in 2016 <clears throat> with Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, directed by mm-hmm. Zack Snyder. Look, I like Batfleck. I thought he was fine. It's that goddamn movie as a whole. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I fell asleep. So I do think that that's what sucks because I actually think Batfleck and uh, Henry Cavill are really great Good in their casting. roles. They were fine. Like they, they, I was not distracted at all by the fact that Ben Affleck was Batman. I thought he he was buff, kind of. He was. He had poofy. a poofy suit. After that, you have a cameo in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, uh, really and awful. then. 
it's so bad. It's one of my most hated DC films. Um, and then you have the last of Batfleck in Justice League in 2017. Which I love is... Justice League because I love trash. Okay, now we're done. Hold with on. The Bruce Wayne's. Wait, what? I want to change my Batman answer to Pete Holmes in the college hu- humor spoofs. <laughs> God. Because he's fantastic, and it's the I reason mean, why I can't take the Batman voice seriously anymore. You didn't like I my mean, Batman voice. I liked your Batman voice, but as soon as you said it, all I thought about was Pete Holmes and him yelling at Superman, or yelling at the commissioner, like "Where's the commissioner? Where's the commissioner?" It, it's just Pete Holmes is the best Batman. Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. It. I swear. It. All right, come on, let's go. Okay, now we have the Batman games. So Batman video games have been around since 1986, but because we are already over an hour with this episode, I'm just going to jump to the ones that matter, which are the Arkham games. Batman Arkham Asylum in 2009, Batman Amazing. Arkham City in 2011, Batman Amazing. Arkham Origins in 2013. Money grab, that was terrible. <laughs> and Batman Arkham Knight in 2015. Press F to hug Jason. <laughs> And if you read Lizzie's review of one of the Batman books where the Arkham Knight shows uh, up, de- it's... Detective Comics 1001. There we go. It's just like two paragraphs of her saying <laughs> you can't use a name that is already established for another character, especially when that character is better than what you put in your comic. I'm not wrong. <laughs> You're not. It was. It's probably one of my favorite <laughs> like rants I've ever seen you write. It was well presented. <laughs> Um, so as with most animated Batman productions, Kevin Conroy provided the voice for the character in these games, excluding Arkham Origins. Of course. um, Because they went for a younger Batman who was voiced by Roger Craig Smith. Arkham Um, Origins was also not written with the help of Paul Dini. The other ones had assistance from Paul Dini. You can clearly tell the other three had care and Origins was literally a money grab. So I'm going to let you two talk about this now. (laughs) Go. Um, I mean, as I said, like Paul Dini had a lot of work on these and a lot of the Easter eggs in these games have to do with the animated series. And I'm one of the few people who loves the Riddler missions and like puzzles in this game because a lot of them are literally just like, do you know who this Batman villain is? And I do. <laughs> and so I get I them love right. Those, those I love Riddler so pieces much. were the best damn thing. I love them so much. I liked the racetracks a lot less because I was like, this isn't a riddle, but okay. Those racetracks were hard. <laughs> Real <laughs> like, hard. Can I just fly? But probably the worst thing were the weird ones where you had to like grapple and slingshot. Sh- I hate yeah. that. Slingshot yourself all yeah. around the map in like a minute time, which was like, you just want to throw your controller. Yeah. So. And also, it's just, that's not the definition of a riddle. So there's that. But So the great thing about these games, especially the first one that introduced was, obviously probably not like necessarily groundbreaking per se, but it was like the, com- the combo system that they used, where if you just, and it wasn't like, it wasn't button mashing. Like a lot of people thought it was button mashing, but it wasn't. It was well-timed. You had to think. You had to do everything to do the combos correctly. And then when they kept adding on to like, the different abilities you could do, you could do a lot of cool stuff with it, which was really fun. Yeah, the combo building system in there is, it's 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 real good. I think it's, it's also awesome. it's not the first because I, I know some hack and slashes uses a symbol comp uh, a 
a similar combo building thing, but I think right. that, but I think that like this type of complex combo building that I think this is what ends up defining a lot of those uh, beat em ups later, like after this game yeah. comes out. That's there were a lot, it wasn't yeah. The, it wasn't the first, but I knew it was like the most polished, and it's definitely not like a traditional hack and slash. I will say a lot of games after this, whether they were superhero or not, very much emulated that combat system. I feel like Assassin's Creed attempted Assassin's Creed like Syndicate Creed was the first yes. one I thought of. Because they start doing the combo system, too, with the timing. It doesn't work as well. No. It's so. not nearly as difficult, because the timing is not as difficult. Right. Also, Batman Arkham is one of the few games that I don't play on easy because I'm actually really good at the combat because I have played those games probably each one about five times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I used to sit there and just do the combat challenges to see how high we could get because it was a lot of fun. Then you had to like see if you can do seven different moves within your combo. And it was definitely one of those you could kill or quote unquote kill, knock out like 40 to 50 people. Loophole. Yeah. But that's probably one of the biggest things I take away. Obviously, the open world that they did with them um, actually with Arkham and then when they went to Gotham was really well done. Those games also have really, I mean, outside of kind of Origins, Origins story ends up falling flat when you compare it to the others, but those games have very good stories. Like, they stay really true to what makes a Batman story, and part of that is because of people who worked on the animated series' involvement in the games, but it, it's just... There's there's so many elements that just work for a Batman story, one of which being Batman has to take on multiple villains at a time. Like Batman is the type of hero where it it's so much better when you have like him up against five or six of his rogues gallery at a time. I also just really love the character designs in these games. Yes. Yes. I love like, Scarecrow. Yeah, Scarecrow Scarecrow's is definitely really by far good. my favorite. Those missions are great. I have a and tiny messed up. I have a tiny scarecrow figure and he sits next to where my pills are in my kitchen cuz he's technically a doctor. <laughs> I also just think Joker is super creepy and perfect in it. Oh, he's so as perfect. Well. Really good. <laughs> um so in addition, uh the before Telltale died um and ruined a lot of its workers' lives, uh it released Batman the Telltale series, which is an adventure game which changed the Wayne family's history. As it depicted, in, um, as it is depicted in the Batman mythos, a sequel titled "Batman: The Enemy Within" was also released in 2017. Um, Telltale's gone, so that's no longer a thing. But it's actually a really good game. Um, I think it I've only, a... huh? Oh, go ahead. No, I've only I've played the first two episodes, so I haven't finished it. But it's really good. Uh, so all of this is to say, uh, Batman is the most licensed DC character. Um, while he isn't the most profitable worldwide, he is the most profitable for DC um, by quite a bit. Um, now, unfortunately, Marvel dwarfs dwarfs it, um, but that's because of the MCU. Uh, that being said, uh, Batman is just under $600 million that he brings in in global retail sales of licensed products which is about 300 million more than Superman. Take that, Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on, I do want to talk about one of the most popular runs of, the, of, of Batman, 
and probably one of the ones that gets mentioned the most, Lizzie, feel free to correct me if this is wrong, um, but The Dark Knight Returns. No, I would say that's correct. Okay. Um, so The Dark Knight Returns, if you don't know, uh, was written by Frank Miller. It's a limited series that ran in 1986, um, and it returned Batman as a character to his darker roots, both in atmosphere and tone. The comic book, which tells the story of a 55-year-old Batman coming out of retirement in a possible future, reinvigorated interest in the character. Um, it had kind of waned before this. Um, <laughs> Batman got a little repetitive. <laughs> I wonder why. Because for a while, Batman was written like an 80s action star and not like Batman. That's fair. Uh, so The Dark Knight Returns was a financial success and has since become one of the medium's most noted touchstones. The series also sparked a major resurgence in the character's popularity right after that. And that same year... Uh, Dennis O'Neill took over as editor of the Batman titles and set the template for the portrayal of Batman following DC's status quo altering miniseries Crisis on Infinite Earths. O'Neill operated under the assumption that he was hired to revamp the character and as a result tried to instill a different tone in the books that had gone that then had gone before. One outcome from this new approach was year was the year one storyline in Batman uh, 404 to 407, which came out in 1987, in which Frank Miller and artist uh, David Machucelli, uh redefined the character's origins. Writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Boland continued the dark trend in 1998's Batman the Killing Joke. Um, yeah. Any questions? Lizzie, want to elaborate on anything? I do not like... Dark Knight Returns or The Killing Joke. <laughs> so, uh, unpopular opinion, but there it is. Why? Specifically for The Dark Knight Returns, because that is, like, the, the touchstone. I, I think I don't... It, it's one of those things where there are certain comic writers where you're like, this is good, but it's not for me. Frank Miller is one of those comic writers for me. Um, to put a more modern... Uh, example would be donny cates who has written venom he's written cosmic yeah. ghost rider things that are very very like critically acclaimed but i'm just like ah this is a little too bros for me like i it's just kind of a similar thing with frank miller like it's just his writing style and particularly his art style is just not for me <laughs> That's fair. Uh, anyway, uh, the largest part of Batman, uh, and the reason, and this is the but why though here, uh, that everybody talks about him the way they do, the reason he's become entire classes at universities is because of the psychology behind him. Uh, Batman has been the subject of psychological studies for some time now, and there have been a number of inter in interpretations of the character psyche. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that there are so many um, there are so many variations of the character himself. But the fact that they all revolve around the death of parents leads to a lot of scholars to uh, scholars and psychologists to look into different forms of trauma and grief. Because all of these different characters kind of uh, all of these different characterizations result from the same uh, core. Um, in Batman and Psychology: A Dark and Stormy Night, Travis Slangley, who we got to meet at Wizard World, that was cool. 
uh, Travis Langley argues that the concept of archetypes as described by psychologists Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell is present in the Batman mythos such that, such that the character represents the shadow archetype. If you don't know at home, the this archetype, the shadow archetype, um, as Langley defines it, is a person's own dark side. This has also come up in, uh, there is a, a edited volume called The Psychology of Zelda. Um, this is a lot of, uh, the the shadow side also comes up in like doppelganger stuff. If you saw us, that's also putting that archetype to use. Um, and it's not necessarily an evil one. Sometimes it is just the dark. Um, and for different people, that can be different things. Um, rather, this is something that people hide from the outside. And it's and sometimes it's concealed from both the world and from the person themselves. Langley argues that Bruce Wayne confronts his own darkness early in life. And he chooses to use it to instill fear in wrongdoers with his, dark and, uh, with his bright and dark sides working together to fight evil. Langley uses the Jungian perspective to assert that Batman appeals to our own need to face our shadow selves. Uh, he also specifically taught a class called Batman, and when asked about it, he said, I could have called it something like the psychology of a nocturnal vigilantism, but no, I called it Batman. And that was probably one of my favorite quotes from a scholar ever. <laughs> That's great. Um... Ultimately, when it comes down to it, we're really drawn to Batman, and I I would say not so much Bruce Wayne. Um, and but I know that a lot of people have different variations on it, whereas Bruce Wayne is his true self, and then there's Batman. I actually think it's flipped. Where I think Batman, Batman is his true self. And I also yeah. really like it, the moment in Batman Beyond where he's like, I knew it wasn't me in my head because he kept I kept calling myself Bruce and Terry's like, well, what do you call yourself? And he just stares at Terry and he's like, Batman, obviously get out of here, kiddo. But I, I do agree. And I think I've said it probably in every Batman review I've ever written that good Batman stories deal with the dichotomy of Batman within himself. And I think the, a current book that does that best is the Batman who laughs because the Batman who laughs is literally the worst iteration of Batman and Batman constantly has to decide how far is he going to toe the line to stop what is basically himself. Yeah. So, and, and, and I mean, that's the kind of the same idea with the hush story, even though hush is a different character, it still feels like a darkness within Bruce Wayne. So now some iterations have dealt with the issues of Batman becoming too Batman. Um, But ultimately, Batman matters by showing us our own potential. Um, That's been one of the things that a lot of the psychology has done. Not necessarily the psychology of Batman, but the psychology of why people like Batman. Because ultimately, Batman is an ordinary guy, minus the money. Um, he made himself into a superhero and through discipline and determination and commitment, he made himself into the best. Um, and I think that that's really important to think of mainly because I think of all the memes uh, from uh, the animated series where it's people rushing off and it's like Batman in an elevator or it's like Wonder Woman, like carrying Batman by his cape. Um, because like he can't fly, he can't rush and fly off. He, he has to outsmart everybody because, I mean, granted, uh, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, being a bat has some privilege. 
in outliving everybody. <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> um, but it, it it's one of those things where if you think of heroes, Batman's only weakness is Batman. Yeah. And I mean, I think Bane proved that. Yeah. And and Bane proved that by making Batman the only Batman and kind of forgetting his humanity, which is something Chris Sims also mentioned, who is a comic book writer, and we recently spent all of Heroes Con talking about Batman. Um, but it, it it's one of those things where – and if he gets too much in his head and he thinks that he is only the myth – and it's okay that everybody else thinks he's a myth, but if he starts believing it – and he loses what's around him, which is Alfred and his Robins and his the Batgirls and, you know, everybody else. That's when he really is almost dangerous. And I that's also kind of proven in Dark Knight's Metal, which all of those iterations of Batman have lost everything. They have lost everything. So now that they are, now they are just all Batman. There is no humanity left. So, Lizzie, you... when are you writing a Batman comic? Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I would want to, but <laughs> right now I'll, I'll stick to writing, like, my, like, Robin, my threads of here's the Bat family as Parks and Rec gifts. Here's the Bat family as energy <laughs> drinks. <laughs> I need to do The Office. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> I think that's the next one on the list. That's going to happen before I write a Batman comic. <laughs> All this is to say um, there's this duality to Batman and this identity to Batman that also makes him this stark other half to DC. Uh, So when you think of DC, you think of Batman and Superman, sometimes Wonder Woman, um, and where Wonder Woman is empowerment and Superman is the all-American. Batman is something entirely different. You know, Superman is just as much Clark Kent as he is Superman, and that's one of his important pieces, but Batman being Batman and detaching himself from his life as Bruce Wayne is his important piece. Um, So he kind of balances the scales of what DC has to offer in that way. Um, A lot of the times writers of of the stories for both Batman and Superman have contrasted the two, and interpretations vary depending on writer, the story, the timing. Um, Grant Morrison noted that both heroes believe in the same things despite the day and night contracts contrast in their roles. He also notes an equally stark contrast in their real identities, like I just said. Um, uh, J, uh, T. James Musler's book Unleashing the Superhero in All of Us explores the extent to which Bruce Wayne's vast personal wealth is important to his life story and the crucial role it plays in his efforts as Batman. Um, But it's weird because, like, I know that Batman is a billionaire, but for some reason when I think of Batman, I actually don't think of money first, which is real weird. (laughs) And I may be alone in that. (laughs) I don't know if I think of money first. When I think of Batman, I just just think of Batman. Not even Bruce (laughs) Wayne, just Batman, because Bruce is second. And because Bruce is second, the money is second, even though he's funding all of this. But, yeah. Um, beyond that, I wanted to bring up Batman as a symbol. Superman is a symbol of hope. 
Wonder Woman, like I said, is a symbol of empowerment. And then Batman has crafted himself into being a symbol of fear. Batman doesn't want people to be inspired by him. He wants people to be scared of him because he exists not to inspire the little kid. He exists to make the criminal, like, pee themselves and run away and stop doing crime. That's what Batman exists to do. Ultimately, Batman dresses like a bat, not because he likes people, but because he hates people. He wants everybody to be afraid of him, and that's actually really important to his character. Uh, we've already talked about how big his moral code is. Um, but I do want to say that this is where you bring up the Robins, um, and Lizzie already kind of mentioned it in the psychology piece. The Robins are what ground him and keep him from going full-on anti-hero. Which is why after Jason's death, he went bananas and timothy had to be like hey buddy you doing okay hey man i'm kind of worried about you bro and then they're like who's speaking we don't know of a tim anyway i only brought this up to say is that batman kind of sits on these in this edge of losing his humanity and having his humanity and ultimately the robins act like a hinge that ground him and move him uh, so depending what happens to his Robin at the time usually depends on how deep off the end he's going to go. And that's why Gotham criminals love either killing or kidnapping Robins. Ultimately, when it comes down to superheroes, like hard superheroes that aren't described as antiheroes a lot, Batman is the most vigilante out of all of them. And I would argue Batman, at least like for a long while, has been an antihero. But that's just me. Um... I think he's, like I said, I'll say for anti-hero, I do think he probably falls in the anti-hero thing. Like I said, I think we've just gotten lazy writing anti-heroes, per se, just because it's just kill or don't kill. But. Yeah, that's fair. I do think that's definitely how people define it. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we're going to end with how many Batman books there are. Because Batman, you know those numbers I brought up about licensed products and all the money he brings into DC? Uh, in May, uh, this was the last time I saw the top comics, um, a book with Batman had, I think it was like seven of the top ten spots for sales. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, but he's routinely in It was all just me. <laughs> uh, so I had Lizzie get together a list of Batman books that aren't Bat Family books. So Lizzie, you want to explain? They're current from day of recording, so don't at me if you listen to this and you're like what about this book and i'm like day of recording so we have batman which is the regular solo run currently written by tom king uh detective comics uh the batman who laughs which is a mini series with scott snyder the batman last night on earth which is also a mini series with scott snyder batman beyond uh batman curse of white knight which will be out soon uh, which is a sequel to Batman White Knight, which I mentioned earlier, and then Batman Universe, which is also being released in Walmarts under Justice League Giant and Batman Giant. What about Batman Damned? Did that already wrap? Uh, it was only three issues, so oh, it wrapped. that's right. Bat-peen. Bat-peen. Bat-peen was not as long as you expected. Yeah, so anyway, that's a lot of Batman comics. That's not taking into account that the first three issues of Deceased were all about Batman. I feel or- like, though... There could be more. Like, I expected there to be more. So, if there's more, I'm not going to be angry. 
I just want to clarify that. More Batman comics. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, so that's all we had to say about Batman. Uh, I guess we. That's not to... all we had to say. Okay. That's just all we had time to say. This is all we had time to say. We will be back with a part two, three, and four, where we go into the rest <laughs> of the eighty years of the character. Because unlike the Superman one, we care about this one. <laughs> yeah. So final thoughts. Um. Uh, Batman's cool. I like Batman. Batman does things. <laughs> I like Batman. Uh, I think my gravitation towards Batman in the DC universe is because he's like human, but he could still dumpster everybody if he really needed to. When I think of like my favorite Batman scene of like Bruce Wayne, I think that Justice League Doom scene is like really good. And it always sticks in my mind of like how badass Batman is. And it's is that scene where he's like, if y'all have a line, y'all catching these hands. And that's just baller, and I like baller characters. <laughs> Sorry, you're not getting like a whole soliloquy that's out of me fine. because that's we're fine. like at two hours, <laughs> and fine. I'm sure Albert. Lizzie's gonna nail it. So Matt, that's why she's going last. Matt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we brought on Lizzie into everything. Um, Batman is one of my favorite characters. I do enjoy Batman. Uh, don't really read comics, so I don't really care about a lot of the comics. But as far as like investing in media and games and stuff and other types of I guess platforms. I've definitely had more than my fair share of Batman. Uh, kind of like all the topics we talk about, the psychology is fascinating and everything else of what just happens. And but yeah, uh, I can see why people like him. It's great. Um, there's a reason he. I wish we would get. I'm kind of excited for this new announcement for the new Batman movie. I know people act like they're tired of Batman, but then you look at all the numbers and you're like, no, you're not. People just say they are. They're not. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot to say that that uh, Edward is playing Robert Pattinson is playing Matt Reeves Batman. He yeah, went so from I've vampire thought, to bat. I've thought about this more and more, and I'm kind of excited to see what he does. I am too. I am at too, first I didn't like it, but the more I've looked at it and seen stuff, I'm like I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I I wish we could talk more, but we've already done more than our fair share. We could definitely keep going. On and on. Well, Lizzie has at least three more podcast episodes to guest on. <laughs> uh, a Batman's episode, or a Batman villains, a Batman Robins, and more Batman. And more Batman. I will not be on the Robins episode. <laughs> what? You don't like them? I would never have guessed that you don't like the Robins. Bat Family is the worst thing that ever happened to Batman. You're the worst thing that ever happened to Batman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything that hasn't been said already. I love Batman because when I look at it, one of the reasons that I have loved Marvel over DC was because Marvel's heroes were extremely flawed compared to DC's heroes. And then there was Batman. Um, and Batman, that's why I've liked him. I think that I've grown to be a bigger Batman fan over like the past probably like two years, two and a half years. You're welcome. Um, welcome. <laughs> it's more Matt than Lizzie, but yes, Lizzie, you also contribute to it. Um, honestly, it's the animation. I love animated Batman movies. I love animated Batman. I love Kevin Conroy. Um, and ultimately, and we didn't talk about them, but I'm always going to be a Batman fan because of his damn villains. Like, DC has always had the best villains, in my opinion, compared to Marvel, and that's because of Batman villains. 
a lot of the time. Um, but no, uh, I hope Kevin Conroy comes to this year's Wizard World because I want to meet him again. Uh, but yeah, oh, that's kind of it. Lizzie? So um, I'm going to say this beforehand. Give your soliloquy and then tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would say the reason I love Batman is, of course, what we've gone into, where he has kind of this this darkness about him that's unexplained. He he deals with trauma in a way I think we all kind of want to deal with trauma. Um, his story is constantly kind of going between a revenge fantasy and trying to live past his revenge fantasy and be more than it, but failing to over and over and over again and not understanding that he is kind of the reoccurring variable in that, uh, where it's one of those things where, you know, you are your own worst enemy. uh, And I think Batman stories do that the best. Uh, So I think that's kind of what I've always been drawn to him about. Uh, So I will obviously continue be reviewing Batman stuff and you can find me and all of my Batman work uh, at com. You can find me on Twitter where my entire Twitter header, which despite being but why though, Kate made fun of me because it's all Batman. (laughs) And that is at Lizzie Lynn Garcia. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for coming on and imparting this Batman wisdom. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, as always, you can find us at Bawaido PC. We're most active on Twitter. And if you want to support the show a little more and get to see these crazy long Batman show notes, which also includes like two pages that I did not cover in this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash PC. You get access to that at a dollar and help support the show. And you can find me at OhMyMethRandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93. S-U-P-E-R-R-U-S-E 93. Matt? Like Batman tells the rest of the Justice League, I did not have to do this because I'm a part-timer. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>